Okay, well, uh, we made it to the end. So maybe all of us together could could read this last line. What do you think? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, sure. Let's do it. I I guess guess we are crazy town after all. Oh, sorry. Sorry, everyone. Uh, technical difficulties. Listeners at home, you know, we recorded an entire hour, 35 minute episode reading the latest West Nut drop. It, it seems to have been lost. I don't know what happened. All I had was that last few seconds where we read the last line. Um, it was very good. You know, usually we, we are uh, dragging West Nut when we read him. In the pages of the Seattle Times, but you know, this is really uh, an inspiring piece from him that we mostly agreed with. And, um, you know, but as always, as we always say, uh, you know, even when you read uh, some good journalism or opinion, don't give money to the newspapers, just stream Butterfly by Crazy Town. <laughs> okay, support, support Crazy Town, everybody. Thanks. <laughs> Sugar, baby, come my lady, you're my pretty baby, you'll make your legs shake, you make me go crazy. Come my lady, come, come my lady, you're my butterfly. Welcome to Mechanical Freak. We're broadcasting live from a secret server room hidden away somewhere in the Columbia Tower in Seattle, Washington. That city of the future on the bleeding edge of neoliberal dystopia today, where we're watching harried technicians frantically pace about, turning dials, inserting and removing cables and plugs, and interpreting figures displayed on immense dashboards that to our untrained, unenlightened eyes appear like strange runes or hieroglyphics as they desperately attempt to reboot Jenny, the world's first artificial (laughs) intelligence mayoral bot, after it tweeted, 9-11 was an inside job. (laughs) Jenny, no! (laughs) Don't do this, Queen. (laughs) Welcome to Mechanical Freak. Uh, Brian, Greg, Munya, and Justin are here. And what a show we have for you. Me in my mismatched space suit, slowly pulling out uh, circuit boards uh, as I float inside of Jenny's mainframe. (laughs) (laughs) What are you doing, Gregory? (laughs) What are you doing, Gregory? Stop that. Uh, uh, We we do love to laugh. Uh, Hey, we're all here. Uh, No Cassidy this week. Sorry. She'll be back next week. We do have a very special friend. Our our pal Justin is here, which is great. Uh, Justin, tell us why you're here. You are co-hosting a new show. I mean, you're sort of anchoring it with this very handsome gentleman, right? Uh, where we... Oh, oh, sorry. You guys talk about uh, uh, Lyndon Johnson. Is that right, Justin? <laughs> That's true. Um, a new episode is about to drop at some point. Uh, if you are a Patreon subscriber, you can listen to it now. 
a little bit, you know, classist of us to hide it behind the paywall. But, uh, you know, the rest of uh, our listeners will be able to listen to it soon. Linda would have wanted it that way. I mean, he would have had an OnlyFans for Jumbo, I think. Yeah. <laughs> Jumbo. <laughs> Jumbo OnlyFans. Yeah, yeah. so, um, Justin, yeah. Uh, thanks for coming on tonight, by the way. Um, tell us a little bit about the new... This new inaugural series of uh, your new um, history podcast. Uh, what's it called? Mecha- historical, uh, historical mechanicalism. Who <laughs> yes. thought up that dumb bullshit? <laughs> um, it's, it's hard to think of a name for a podcast. I mean, you know, a lot mm. of the good names are taken. So this is what we have. It's fine. Uh, it's also funny to come up with a name that's a play on the already terrible name of your podcast, <laughs> thus creating a expectation that all other sort of spinoff shows will have have equally tortured every time there's a spinoff it just has to get also related back but in a worse way yes freaky mechanism yeah <laughs> <laughs> well i mean texas sucks is uh, you know, spun off of uh, Seattle sucks. So there's at least multiple like uh, avenues to go down yeah. here. Well, you know, also, there's you not going to be about- more episodes of Texas sucks. I mean, that was a one-off, right? Yeah, because Texas is better now. Yeah. Texas is good. <laughs> so, it's good now. They actually, solved, they solved their problems. <laughs> no, uh, we, we, we made that episode. Of their the problems. problems. You wouldn't no. believe this, Justin, but um. Brian has committed himself to now a total of four ongoing podcast <laughs> series. Uh, maybe I'm forgetting some other ones because you've got, you know, uh, Mechanical Freak, which has two episodes a week. Uh, uh, Texas Sucks, which we have Texas multiple sucks. episodes in the pipeline. <laughs> yeah, not not weekly or anything. But no. We've got the upcoming, you know, the on the now ongoing just started uh, historical mechanicalism series that is starting with uh, Jumbo Rising, the story of Lyndon Baines Johnson. Um, and uh, there's some other stuff I happen to know yeah. about, some secrets, some super secret stuff. A little, little teaser uh, that maybe uh, we have another one coming up called Freak Watch. I don't know. Okay. Watch it <laughs> for Freak It's, it's, it's Brian, our, it's our TMZ Gossip series. Oh, your I capacity. Am I'm very much a like, he, Once he caught the potting bug, like he was just all all, all of his energies. Yeah. It's really podcaster uh, excellence. It really is. It really is. And we love him for it. So but well, Justin, tell us tell us about, you know, uh the one the podcast that you have committed to for till the end ever. of time. Uh and but specifically this this inaugural series. Now, of course, it, it comes on the heels of really the earlier show really uh uh what did we call it mechanical freak presents yes um where you guys did a series on uh truman the atom bomb the korean war stuff like that but uh you guys have been reading those fucking boat anchor caro books about uh massive tomes (laughs) like uh, it's like a whole you line them up it's a bookshelf you know uh so I don't know. Drop us some some interesting tidbit about uh, Lyndon Johnson and help us appreciate why we should listen. Sure. I mean, so we basically went through uh, the first two of those tomes uh, with uh, the Caro books and 
just basically put them into two podcast episodes. Um, I think uh, these podcasts are cool because we're kind of going beyond like the great man theory of history. We're looking at the forces in play like LBJ didn't, you know, get in there for no reason. There are forces of capital uh, that were behind him, even though he voted for <laughs> New Deal legislation. His votes tended to be inconsequential, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and this election we're talking about, um, LBJ literally steals an election. I mean, that's somewhat of a spoiler, King, but King not shit. really. Mm-hmm. It's on Wikipedia. Um, and that's with, <laughs> that's with uh, this company, Brown and Root, which would later become a subsidiary of Halliburton, which you've all heard of, uh, mm-hmm. bankrolling his campaign. Uh Giving if you're like two, a millennial nerd, you've heard of Halliburton. If you're a millennial, yeah, Zoomers don't if, know about it, but look, Zoomers if, don't if know about a lot of things. If you know fun. what jib-jab means, you know what Halliburton means. <laughs> <laughs> oh, damn, that is, that is very true. Um, but yeah, LBJ has two helicopters purchased for him by Brown and Root. Two different ones, and he flies around from town to town being like, Hello, my name is Lyndon Johnson. I sure hope you'd vote for me. Just Have like shouting day. down to people from a helicopter. Shout down yeah. to people yeah, from the literally, helicopter. Literally. And this is in 1948 in like West Texas. This is one of those like acrylic bubble yeah. helicopters. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like from yeah. one was, the second one literally was like a glass bubble uh, yeah. that they struggled to just get in the air. Yeah. And apparently he would tell the pilot, like, no, get lower so I can yell at my people. And the pilot would be like, this seems dangerous. And they like fly <laughs> under power lines and stuff. But again, this is 1948 West Texas. He might as well have been flying a UFO into these towns. Yeah. Like, this was yeah. the most exciting That's thing that made these people. <laughs> yeah. This brand new like technology. Yeah. Just amazing. Amazing stuff. Wow. Uh, that's the kind of character that would go on to be so consequential, uh, or something in, uh, the history, the mid-century history of America. Okay. Well, well Greg, we don't know yet cause we haven't gotten to his presidency and, uh, quite frankly, I yeah. think it's looking good. So well, I listened uh, to the first episode. It says trouble ahead, but I think we're okay. And it, uh, it's very good. Um, I, I enjoyed it a lot. I can't wait to hear more about, uh, you know, Lyndon Johnson and what a cool, cool duty was. We didn't even <laughs> talk about Jumbo on the first episode. So there's there's more good stuff yet to come. Yeah, yeah. we haven't even gotten Jumbo yet. Great. OK. <laughs> uh, um, I mean, I'm going to correct the record and say Jumbo does come up, but only uh, <laughs> uh, because they can't help mentioning Jumbo at uh, <laughs> any possible time that uh it makes sense so. and if that doesn't make any sense to you guys uh, jumbo also has his own Wiki- wikipedia page <laughs> <laughs> okay wow it's got a lot of <laughs> citations on it <laughs> <laughs> okay well yeah um go check that out and i think with all of that out of the way we're, we're gonna go into some really Great, great stuff about police shootings and and Chicago mayors and the trial that is captivating the imagination of the nation right now. Isn't that right? Oof. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, 
lots of good stuff. Uh, Chauvin trial. They were just finishing their closing arguments. Uh, apparently, part of the closing argument was that uh, Chauvin kept his knee on George Floyd's neck because there was a crowd there. <laughs> he was scared. <laughs> you know, like there's a crowd watching. Better kill him. Um, or like I did think what the prosecution said about it from getting this right was kind of interesting in that they're sort of psychoanalyzing Chauvin saying, you know, one part of what may have been going on there was uh, that um, because there was this crowd like begging him to stop, like he was like that was partly motivating him not to because he's a cop and that's yeah. You know, you tell them not to do something, not to hurt hurt people, not to murder someone. They're they're going to be like, you can't tell me what to do. Yeah, I'm in like charge. My daughters. Here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, yeah, in yeah, I mean, uh, they're big, petulant, violent, uh, psychotic babies. So yeah, with guns. <laughs> yeah. Also, like your daughters. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And so we're waiting, obviously, this week, presumably, I'm guessing Friday, late. Well, you say that. I mean, that would be like the traditional news dump, you know. But I mean, it's not like if they're trying to time it like that, uh, unclear how like controllable that is by the judge. But, you know, it's not like no one in the country is going to avoid hearing about it so like if there's if they were if they do have this thing wrapped like you know their fingers around it uh the smart thing might be to try and do it when people are at work you know uh as soon as possible before the weekend but hey i mean we're just talking out of our ass now because we don't know what's gonna happen i mean yeah by the time this gets released the verdict might have already come out um very possibly you know they may not Hard. take any time at all for the jury, you know. Like. Yeah. Hard to really be hopeful about. Having sat through so many of these, hard to be too hopeful. Yeah, I mean, along along the lines of what we said last week, uh, guilty or innocent or, uh, yeah, let me say, like, whether um, Chauvin is found guilty of murder or not, whether he's convicted or not, a lot of institutions, like the police department itself in Minneapolis, have been given this opportunity to like basically wash their hands of him and the whole event. So even if he is not convicted, like you know, this becomes still a case of a ba- having him him having been repudiated by everyone. Now this becomes a case of a bad apple getting away with uh, murder, mm. or uh, if he is convicted, then it's a bad apple getting justice and yeah. i i do think that's the most likely because like at the end of the day like no the reason cops get off is not about like for murder it's not about the public sentiment it's not even about like necessarily in the moment in individual cases like uh institutions and power players like coming in and influencing things it's written into the law you know the law has not changed it certainly hadn't changed in some way before george floyd was murdered such that the jury is going to have different instructions and have to come to some different conclusions based on the charges than they would have before right mm. like nothing has changed legally yeah so all the reasons that uh cops usually are not convicted probably still apply here well you know uh 
you know, that's part of my pessimism stems from that, that yes, that it is built into the legal structure that police can essentially do whatever they want. Yeah. Uh, the other part of my pessimism is whether or not he gets convicted. Uh, somebody had posted that just in the three weeks of this trial, police have killed 64 people. That's incredible. And uh, that's the other part of my pessimism is like, yeah, I mean, you know, it's one of those things of you'd have to believe that there are, you know, bad apples in the police department, I guess, care a ton about, you know, uh, getting rid of Chauvin as much as he fucking deserves to be gotten rid of. Uh, you know, that hasn't stopped the police from continuing to kill people while he's on trial. Yeah, that's the um, thing. So him getting convicted is essentially a lie anyway. Right. Yeah. It'll, if that is if the prosecutors in Minnesota and the court and the judge in this case and uh, every institution that's leaning on this judge to do one thing or the other, if they have put all their muscle into convicting this guy behind closed doors, then that just means you know, they've put that energy into telling like a great lie that, uh, yeah, something is different now that, that, you know, these people are going to be held accountable for murder. And, you know, obviously that's demonstrably false. Now, I yeah. mean, you could get hopeful and say, well, uh, the, I, I don't see, yeah, I don't see any, specific good coming of him being uh, uh convicted because like what's the call to action then right it's, uh, if any it's just saying look the system works yeah. it's, it's saying it'll the narrative will be like look yes this was an especially egregious crime by this cop mm. it, it wasn't it's a normally egregious crime yeah. that happens every day uh and it caused all this outrage because it's a special significant thing it's not um it just yeah. Well, it'll be the one bad cop in the Minneapolis police department. Yeah, exactly. And and then and then what? Look, the system works. Yeah. This was grotesque enough that yeah, of course there are legal mechanisms to right this wrong. Um but I don't know. I don't I doubt we have to worry about uh, threading that rhetorical needle and having those arguments cuz I don't I see him walking basically or getting some like really really uh yeah. Uh light a slap charge. on the wrist, yeah. 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 Some sort of uh like some like, you know, third degree manslaughter, some yeah. shit, you know. Well, I thought uh, you know, to show how deep this problem was, I thought I might read you guys something that that popped across uh the timeline this week. And this is from a Reason article talking about this uh company called Law Enforcement Targets Inc. and how they have this uh you know, one of their products they sell is targets that look like pregnant women holding guns and well, look like yeah, children holding guns for the explicit, uh, explicit purpose of desensitizing law enforcement to killing kids. And I just thought I'd read this one section from it and get y'all's uh, opinion on it. So here it goes. Uh, There's a hesitation on the part of cops when deadly force is required on subjects with atypical age, frailty or condition. One officer explaining that he enlarged photos of his own kids to use as targets so that he would not be caught off guard with such a drastically new experience while on duty. And uh, that's the police in America. Bruh, right? what? 
<laughs> yeah, printing targets of his own children to shoot at the ch- at the shooting range. To so, <laughs> the the I, idea is that you print you print images of your own children, enlarge them, and then shoot those images to mm-hmm. basically because because before you were you hesitated and you're trying to like mitigate the hesitation. So mm-hmm. you're like shooting your, yeah. the images of your own kids is like that's like the most hesitation you'd get. Yeah, yeah. there's there's like get a, the hesitation to kill children down to zero seconds. Yeah, right. Yeah, because draw on fire. There's on a natural sight. human instinct, uh, as cruel as we might be to each other, to protect children or whatever. And you know, the police looked at that and they're like, "That's one shred of humanity we could probably <laughs> get rid of." <laughs> this is well beyond like. Uh, like actually printing targets of like children and pregnant women yeah. is well beyond like the way like uh US troops were like trained and desensitized to go and like fight in Vietnam for example yeah. and there was like we you know it's well documented there was real thought given to like the problem of desensitizing soldiers uh to mm. killing right like this is uh, and they never did this. Yeah, it's uh, this is some next level stuff. And, you know, as much as people are talking about this one uh, clearly psychotic officer who belongs in like a Hannibal Lecter gear, <laughs> like in a closet somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, as much as some of the talk about that came out, uh, the rest of the article talks about how like, oh, no, this company that sells targets to law enforcement agencies all over the country. Yeah. Specializes in doing this kind of stuff of giving them children to shoot at and things like that, which means that uh, American police, which are already the most violent in the industrial world by a large margin and in significant parts of the world, generally uh, killing over a thousand people a year, all this kind of stuff that they aren't violent enough yet. And that they have an untapped market. I mean, this is really capitalism, right? They're like, you know, we're killing adults, we're killing some kids, but we could kill a lot more kids. We need growth markets here, right? Yeah, basically, yeah. They're looking for a growth market. Well, the thing is, is, you know, now that there's so many police in schools, uh, that this is one of those growth markets they can tap, which hilariously actually brings us to the story of this uh, Knoxville shooting, uh, which is not hilarious, but in Knoxville, Tennessee, a police officer killed a 17-year-old child in, a, in his high school bathroom, right? And the initial story was that the police officer had heard that there was a teenager with a gun in the bathroom and that he went in, the teenager shot him because he was going to do a school shooting, and then the officer heroically murdered the kid. Yeah, and that was the story that went out was like school yeah. shooting foiled. Yeah. So the first <laughs> couple of days, that's every that was every news outlet in Tennessee was posting this. And then somebody asked, hey, there was another kid in that bathroom. Maybe we should ask him what happened. And that kid said, oh, what actually happened is the cop came in and within seconds of yelling at this 17 year old boy, uh, the police officer tried to pull out his firearm, shot himself in the leg trying to pull his firearm out and then proceeded to shoot the kid because he was so angry they had shot himself in the leg. (laughs) At no point did anybody in the press, and I mean, this goes to the problem with all these shootings, ask, "Okay, this kid, uh, where's the gun the kid had, right? 
Uh, where's any evidence? It, like just taking this officer completely at his word. And now the whole thing is falling apart. Of course, it's very embarrassing for everybody involved. But the press is, you know, like you just get these little side stories now. Like, oh, it turns out that uh, that story of the heroic officer stopping a school shooting that we blasted over the media uh, is not really real. In fact, he shot himself in the leg and then murdered somebody. Um, but, you know, just another way astonishing fucking stories that the police have killed so many people recently that you just went totally under the radar. But I think also speaks to the mentality of American policing. Cops lie. Literally never fucking believe cops. Like they lie. It's not fucking like, uh, it's not even like a, a one-off thing or, um, you know, a lone wolf deal. Like they systematically do it. Mm. They always lie. And like, yeah. we need to get that through people's skulls, I feel like. Yeah, we met, we've mentioned this on the show in the past that in the 90s, I can't remember, is either in the Mullen investigation, which is the investigation of NYPD or the Ramparts investigation, which is investigation of LAPD. But it came out that the police even have their own term for it that they joke around with, which is called test lying. And because lying on official documents and in court and all that kind of stuff was so common for police officers, that they just had a, a cutesy term that they would use to joke about it, things like that. And uh, it's one of those things that, you know, for, you know, us as the media consumer or whatever, one, you should never believe anything a fucking cop says. Also, just in life generally, all that kind of stuff. Never believe anything a cop says. But also, it's it's one of those things that, uh, you know, I don't know how you jam this into a reporter's head, but it's like, at this point, you know, if you're a reporter and you are taking the police's word for it and just transcribing it in the Seattle Times or whatever... Uh, you are essentially an accomplice to what the police yeah, are doing. Literally, at this point. like I mean, multiple like, outlets just like ran with that story, right? Like mm-hmm. that's yeah. definitely on them. Yeah, and it's like, it's a crazy story too. Yeah, and I think it's not even one of those things too of like, oh well, it was just the cop and the kid there, so you know, only one story is getting out. It's like, no, there was another witness that the police had identified as a witness and things like that. The reporters could have gone to and asked. But, you know, because he's a teenager, because he's black, whatever, right? Like, they just didn't bother. You know, fuck it. I'm sure the cop told the truth. You know, it's it's uh, it's disheartening <laughs> to be sure. Well, yeah, I mean, like, that's still going on, right? Like, mm-hmm. the just the enormity of the level of lies that have just were reported on in 2020 from cops, like, you know, it doesn't matter when the media in question is just, you know, corporations who mm-hmm. basically serve the same power, who are served essentially by the cops yeah, and everything they do, including lying and murdering people. So that's, uh, yeah, we're going to have to overthrow the power structure in this country if you want to do anything about either of those fucking things. Yeah. Well, luckily, something good did happen on the policing front. On Saturday, I saw all over Twitter uh, one mayor of Chicago, Lori Lightfoot. Lori Lightfoot. If you ask me, right? <laughs> is going to uh, resign 
because you know was it because she took 281 uh, million dollars of cares aid and just gave it to the chicago police department instead of actually using it for covid relief uh is it because she literally covered up a murder for the chicago police department much like the previous mayor of chicago actually um it's, it's in the charter it's was part it, of the job was it because of any of the many crimes she's clearly committed uh i didn't get on twitter at all on sunday or monday so I'm not entirely sure what happened, but I'm sure she resigned, right, guys? Ooh, uh, she had some tweet about like being in her mansion or something. Like I don't know, <laughs> she's trying to be ironic. Or what? Like, <laughs> she's uh, tweeting like Pablo Escobar from the mansion, you know. Well, um, it seemed like she was trying to out outdo our own uh, Mayor Jenny Durkin with you know her epic tweets from last summer, and I'm like. Hey, I don't know. We we still have the worst mayor here. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it was kind of funny on Saturday, you know, uh, me and Greg were hanging out and this this thing that she was going to resign came up. And, you know, I think we both had expressed some skepticism of it because of Mayor Dirk. Right. And the, the constant, oh, she's going to resign any minute now. Right. And uh, and I think one of the things to take away is that you know, part of the Trump era and, you know, or part of like the post Trump period is every politician in America has learned you never have to resign. Fuck the voters. <laughs> right. Fuck the people in your city. Like, <laughs> fuck them. What are they going to do? Come you get you? Them. Like, call the manager. Yeah. Yeah. What are they going to do? Complain? You know, like, who gives a shit? And uh, anyway, we're going to make out- an action network forum and post it in a lot of places and people will sign it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it turns out all what every what people on Twitter were like, literally just saying, Lori Lightfoot's resigning tomorrow morning. Were all they were going off was the fact that she was calling an emergency press conference from her home. Yeah, and um, assuming because she's like committed many heinous crimes that she'd be resigning <laughs> against uh, foolish. Um, in fact, uh, it was to address and dismiss some infidelity scandal rumors yeah, that were about bullshit. to be printed that I could not be bothered to. I like I swiped out as soon as like no. I don't I don't know. I don't care. Uh, imagine looking at the crimes this woman's committed and being like also cheated on her wife. And it's like, who gives a fuck? Who cares? <laughs> who cares? Like resigning yeah. over a reality TV bit. That's crazy. Well, yeah. yeah, I mean, you know, she's smart not to resign. <laughs> yeah, but well, like, you not know, to resign. But, but like, like, people thought that that was like going to be the dagger in the heart was like mm-hmm. cheating on your partner. You know, like, well, I mean, Lori Lightfoot has been like a literal supervillain for Chicago. I mean, how? Yeah, it's, it's, it's such a weird like American thing, like in Amer- like American electoral politics, where <laughs> like. Yeah. The well, the dumbest the dumbest aspect like gets the most scrutiny and like causes them like the most like pain when like before they actually have like literal blood on their hands and like it didn't even make the news you know like that yeah. it's just it's just really crazy how that plays out like well, consistently you know theoretically and I think this has been true in the past certainly um, when these kind of scandals did break political careers. Uh, you know, it was it's a way to separate the individual politician out for their own uh, m- misdeeds 
that are theirs alone and are not mm-hmm. connected to capital, are not connected <laughs> yeah. to yeah. the masters that they serve, the interests, the interests they work for. They don't implicate uh, an entire political system or party or machine or donors mm-hmm. or an ideology. It's just on a person. It's a way you can attack someone on a personal level and get rid of them. And uh, clearly, like, that's not getting rid of anybody at this point. Um, yeah, it, it's, it's the how dare you, ma'am, uh, mm. of, uh, of politics, basically. I, I saw something on Twitter that made me think that much like our mayor, she might have the luck of the Irish, that she may, in fact, be a leprechaun. Did any of you? God. <laughs> oh, my God. Burn <laughs> the little hat. <laughs> Wait, yeah, I think wait, she's so, the Crichton leprechaun. Did 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 she? Well, so she she did she? I mean, okay. So someone also said that it, she looked like someone who like was drawing Al Capone just from memory or something <laughs> in that press conference. No, no. You know what? Actually, I would never have like uh, commented on her appear- appearance before because Greg's a gentleman. Because yeah. like, now that she wore that little. Uh, l- a bowler hat to a press conference. <laughs> uh, I'm. She is. She's. If they rebooted Dick Tracy, uh, she could be a villain. Oh. <laughs> that bowler hat was wild, man. <laughs> like a big, yeah. like bright colored suit. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, well, yeah. Exactly. Well, she basically. I there was that weird press conference where she was dressed as like a superhero too, with like a cape and shit. I oh yeah, Halloween. right. Yeah. What and the I, hell and I was th- that? Yeah, and I think that she, her strategy is like, well, people won't think I'm evil if I look like a fucking idiot, <laughs> <laughs> which is honestly not a bad strategy, not, actually. Yeah, and, right. Unfortunately, <laughs> but uh, but I, I do think that we have seen. We I think we have enough evidence now that we have seen a sea change in the sort of American political landscape, which is, um, you know, obviously a much smaller time. We saw that Jenny just completely weathered, uh, you know, the various scandals of last summer. Uh, the things that you know, Lori Lightfoot's guilty of are, I think, uh, a little more dire. And the fact that she like literally covered up, a fucking, like worked to, to cover up a murder. Um, and it's just going to sail right through. But the other one was Cuomo in New York, too. I mean, uh, interesting, similar thing where like people are getting very upset about this office sexual harassment scandal, which is not to say that's nothing. Uh, but also he was, I mean, I think pretty conclusively shown to be dr- like directly responsible for the deaths of thousands probably of New Yorkers, right? At least yeah. hundreds of people in nursing homes. That Which he, made him the front runner for the Democratic nomination in 2028. <laughs> I mean, almost certainly, right? You know, and uh, and basically, yeah, I mean, when people told him to resign, he basically was like, no, fuck you. And it's still, you know, governor, right? And I think, uh, I think we've seen a sort of... Uh, a sea change. Like, I don't, I don't know that uh, it used to be you could shame a politician and if they're low enough on the ladder, they would give they quit or whatever. But well, uh, I think that's I think those days are done now. I think that is I think that is if I had to guess, I'd say that's a symptom of the overall fragility of the American system currently, mm-hmm. because I mean, we're, we're in the middle of this manifold crisis that is not going away. It's it's new new pipes are being welded to the manifold all the time. (laughs) Uh, And in that circumstance, like they're all too big to fail at this point. You know what I mean? Like 
everything's so bad like to to bring to, to bring down Cuomo to bring down Cuomo you know to really like have a serious like look at what went wrong in New York with covid like really implicates every governor in america too mm-hmm. like he did it yeah. in a really like brash and insane way but like compared yeah. to what i mean well and what mayor isn't guilty in america of letting their police run riot over the population yeah and covering you know, up I mean, murders yeah yeah exactly like you can't there's just no way to confront these things that don't um I mean, they all have to cover their ass together because everything is so shit. So it's hard to let uh, one person hang out for any of this because it all just looks so similar to what everyone else is doing. To be fair, there was a lot of anti-Italian racism against Cuomo. You know what? I'll tell you what this is. It's anti-Italian discrimination. Uh, Maria, Alfredo. Uh, Ever since I was a yeah. child, I wanted to be governor. Okay, if, didn't, any, didn't, if any Cuomo is Fredo, it's Chris. Or, didn't, <laughs> didn't didn't Cuomo just like outright say that uh, Fredo was the N word for Italians? <laughs> he, he did imply that. Yeah, which yeah. is really Look, funny. And as an Italian, he would know because they love to use the N word. So. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you were just in New York recently, Munia. Did you yeah. have an occasion to uh, do any anti-Italian racism? Yeah, right. All the time, going to Little Italy and going bada bingy, you know, like just everywhere. Oh, yeah. How do we not? I. How do we not send Munia to go do an on-location report <laughs> from our favorite Long Island bar? Oh my god! Next oh time my you're god. in New York, wait, wait, you're wait. going oh, to fucking I'm, Long I'm going to be in New York really soon. You and Max, like, you and Max within, have to go out there. And oh report my for god! Us. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. We we literally will. Like, I'll I'll be there in less than a month. All right. They need to sign a lease. So <laughs> all right. Yeah. Well, we're we're gonna Congrats. get a. On location report from uh, was it McFuddy's <laughs> or whatever the fuck? Uh, Irish slash Italian American uh, QAnon pub, uh, yeah, that we like to follow very closely. Is it? Is it? Did they get shut down or are they still going? Well, they got shut down, and in the process, one of them ran over a state yeah, trooper. Right, right, somehow got out the, of that. Yeah. Um, I believe Max they're going to persevere. Right? Max Pub. Max yeah. Pub. Max yes, Pub. Yes. All right. So, listeners, uh, listen closely to the next few episodes because we're going to have an on location report from yes. Max Pub. Nobody, I, and I can say this with pure, with absolute confidence, no podcast has covered <laughs> Max Pub <laughs> to the depth and level that we have. This is Brian's fifth podcast, the Max Pub's cast. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. I do think it was going, on, it was in Staten Island, right? Yeah, it's either on Long Island or Staten Island. I, I can't think remember. it was Staten Island. Cursed Islands, yeah. Of, uh, New York. Yeah. Um, I do think it's interesting going back to something that was mentioned about not being beholden to who you represent. Basically, in light of recall efforts, um, I'm sure most people remember that there were recall efforts against Durkin in Seattle after mm-hmm. everything that went on and that oh, yeah. failed. And I, unfortunately I'm not familiar with why it failed legally, but then the other high profile recall going on right now is the one against Sawant, which of course very recently was um, allowed to proceed on the basis that she should not have let people into 
city hall basically. Um, yeah. So it's just interesting to see that even when there is perhaps some process where the voters can try to force somebody out, that the system will still kind of prevent that from happening if it can. Yeah, I mean, Durkin's recall wasn't stopped at the ballot box or anything. It was stopped by a judge who just right. stepped in and said, no, you can't do that. <laughs> just nope. <laughs> yeah, th- those accusations are specious and silly and not uh, yeah. warrant. Do not warrant a recall. What? Uh, uh, Swamp also has a recall. <laughs> yes. Swamp, <they're> like, <laughs> you know, a, li- a laundry list yeah. of also specious bullshit, all of which was actually tossed out by the court. They just found the one like kernel of the one thing that they ha- just one one thing so very clear like the fix was in they were going to let the recall go forward but they weren't going to put their rubber stamp on like mm-hmm. the whole thing doesn't matter there just had to be one kernel one argument for one event and it was uh you know improper use of uh and abnormal use of city facilities and during covid it's going yeah. back to the copy machine shit yeah, you know yeah. like I mean, sally bagshaw is living in seattle's head rent free Seriously, I mean, it it is the very same spirit as that stuff. They tossed that one out. (laughs) They didn't uphold that one. But uh, I think maybe the the judges are Maoists and they disagree with Sawant's Trotskyism and think she needs to listen to the people and take the mass line. Well, you know what, Justin? You found the secret button that made me agree with that judge now. But (laughs) (laughs) but yeah, I mean, the, the Durkin thing, you know, what was so interesting about that is it apparently never occurred to anybody covering it that like, oh, this woman who was like the U.S. district attorney in this region for so long and stuff like that probably knows ever has like personal relationships with all the judges in the area that like weird that just got tossed out like, that. oh, well. No need to look into it. Probably not a big deal. <laughs> uh, indeed not. <laughs> not well, worth it. Yeah, now, right. she's, we should probably now she's got senioritis. But yeah, we'll move on to uh, <laughs> some more heartwarming stories. That that This came out today, right, Brian? I think you found this. Uh, this came out a couple of days ago. I think okay. it came out on Saturday or something. All right. Well, in Jeff Bezos's last communication to Amazon before <laughs> handing over the reins to some other steely-eyed sociopath lizard person. Before he wound up on the dark side of the moon and his crap yeah. yeah. to be able to communicate. Yeah. yeah, before he was finishing his uh, subterranean lair somewhere in the antipodes, he said that he has a plan for the warehouse workers and it involves algorithms, of course. <laughs> Naturally. So do we want to read this one? Brian, I didn't actually get a chance to read it yet, so I just saw the headline. Um, yeah, because I think it's fairly short. I don't have okay, it up right short. now. Oh, okay. No, I do have it up. Hold on. I've got it too. I, I just can... retweeted it without reading the article, and Twitter gave me the warning, but I just did it. Twitter gave you the side <laughs> eye. You're a rebel, man. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think we can get read through it, and if okay. uh, as we get towards the end, I think we could probably just close it up. I don't, cool. I don't know that we necessarily have to get through the whole thing. All right. Uh, so this is in Vice under the motherboard brand, and the title is Amazon's new algorithm will set workers' schedules according to muscle use. <laughs> Algorithms <laughs> will set you free. Awesome. What does this remind you of? A venue, right, from last week? <laughs> yep. Okay. This is really... Um, I mean, 
I, it was always coming. And in a way, like, oh, God. If I mean, if you're going to work someone to death, like, this does sort of get it. Whatever. I guess we're going to hear about it. Yeah. Let's just hear what it is. <laughs> it, this could be good, Greg. You're just jumping to conclusions. <laughs> uh. This is why Twitter put that up, that retweet thing. Yeah. Did you read the article? No, I didn't. But I get it. I know exactly what it is from the headline. I get it. They're going to move people from they're going to try and eliminate repetitive stress injuries by timing what by categorizing what fucking tasks you're doing and moving you from task to task so that you don't like give yourself tennis elbow doing the same thing all day, every day. (laughs) And it's like. They're fine. They're uh, look. It's just far. They're using you as a fucking robot. It's great. It rules. You're gonna get ripped like that dude on Nathan for you. <laughs> yeah, it's cross training. <laughs> All right. So it has this picture of Jeff Bezos, and Terrific. he is frozen. Um, the teenage blood that animates his heart must have run out. <laughs> Um, it begins the pace and intensity of work in Amazon's warehouses is notorious and injuries are disturbingly common in his last letter to shareholders as CEO posted on Thursday founder and incoming executive chairman Jeff Bezos offered a solution that seems to stretch the definition of micromanagement (laughs) algorithmically shuffling workers around the warehouse based on which isolated muscle tendon groups they're repetitively grinding Despite what we've accomplished, it's clear to me that we need a better vision for our employee success, Bezos wrote. We have always wanted to be Earth's most customer-centric company. We won't change that, but I'm committing us to an addition. We are going to be Earth's best employer and Earth's safest place to work. So, I mean, that's super villain talk, right? Yeah. Like, we're going to be the Earth's best company. We're going to give you an asbestos suit to wear in hell. Yeah, well, the the Earth comet is very strange. That's a strange thing to say. Well, it, ma- it <laughs> yeah. makes sense when you think that he wants all of us to not be on Earth. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He he's he'd really rather we were all working out in space, as we know. <laughs> and as he has said and told us, yes. uh, Bezos claims that he doesn't take comfort, that's in quotes, in the recent defeat of a union drive in a Bessemer, Alabama warehouse, adding, we need to do a better job for our employees. Well, I think it's worth noting that uh, there was the whole Intercept article about the, which we, I think we talked about on the show, about the Bessemer, you know, about the the weird Twitter response that the official Amazon accounts had. Uh, you know, to the best of our organizing drive and how it had come that so, the most bizarre tweets like the, you don't think that our employees really pee in water bottles, do you reply and all that kind of yeah. shit that Bezos himself might have greenlit those. Yeah. That the actual PR department didn't want to do it. And somebody that they said was well above them. <laughs> told Or, him to or do Dave it. Clark, who's like head of mm-hmm. worldwide operations or whatever. Yeah. Basically what they were pointing to the top suite, right. Yeah. <laughs> and being like those guys up there. So, you know, I, I think that this, it's safe to say that, yeah, this is Bezos's response to unionization. Don't unionize. Let us hook electrodes up to everybody. (laughs) And and yeah, we'll move you around like cogs in a machine. Well, it's like this. This is solving a problem that is only a problem if you are, yeah, working people to death like robots. If if labor in America in the 21st century doesn't benefit at all from 
what it's producing doesn't benefit at all from technology, except it get you'll get thrown these scraps like you know what yes before we were breaking your bones with bats uh <laughs> now we're gonna put ru- we're gonna put like foam covers on the bats before mm-hmm. we hit you with them you yeah know? maybe we'll like, get a nice like amazon dipe out of this you know as you're going mm-hmm. from station to station just uh Take a nice pee. Don't don't have to go to the bathroom. <laughs> no, dude. Nice. No, it it's all gonna be in the algorithm. So yeah, you're gonna be, be part moved. of the stations. You're gonna, ex- yes, exactly. You're gonna be moved around from station to station where you're doing different jobs. At some point during the day, you're going to be closer to the bathroom, and that's when you need to take your break to keep your numbers up. No, what's gonna happen is a little like a floor tile is going to open and this tube is going to come out and just stick itself to your crotch. And you won't even know that you had to be, but it's going to suck the piss out you're of you. You're talking about science fiction and you're missing the point about the real world algorithms that are going to save us all. Oh yes. Yes. It's Very all about algorithms. the algorithm is about telling people how to work in like moment to moment. It's micromanagement. There doesn't have to be any, more fancy robots than they already have they just it's just about micromanaging exactly what you're doing when well we're being real naysayers let's let's hear the rest of this maybe there's a good idea in here i'm sure there will be to that end bezos claims amazon will be pursuing a host of initiatives centered around improving safety conditions at its warehouses one program seems to capitalize on Amazon surveillance dragnet inside warehouses that already <laughs> targets workers now being used to minimize the grueling repetitive motions that lead to a significant amount of injuries, specific, specifically musculoskeletal disorders or MSD. Uh, previously, our drones would come around to fire like little missiles at you to get you to work faster. Now they're just going to tap you on the shoulder and say, use the other hand, friend. furthermore bezos claims that this micro level algorithmic management of workers bodies will be central to the company's strategy going forward oh come on (laughs) very cool we're developing imagine just like being able to write in your annual shareholder letter like yeah we like Controlling the literal bodies of our workers is essential to to growth of our company. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, that rocks. <laughs> well, Just saying this, it. This is like any I don't sport camp. I mean, this is like this is basically ba- what basketball practice was. I can say as a basketball player. Yeah, right. <laughs> I'm not because joking. Like that's what yeah, it, yeah. you do, you do like 10 minutes on one thing, you move mm-hmm, to the next mm-hmm. station, and you just go in a circle for an hour. Well, like this is the benevolent face of the system like really like this again without changing anything uh, that would threaten amazon threaten capital in any way threaten the relationship to labor give yeah. more up uh, of the you know profit of their labor to the workers and obviously we're going in the direction of further alienation from uh the labor they're producing here but it's all being done again without doing any of that except to further alienate people without doing anything good on a systematic level or to uh really change the power relationship they are doing something if they do this it will genuinely be positive now we know from lots of reporting and internal leak documents that their injury numbers in amazon warehouses are 
off are terrible. They're worst in like the warehouse industry and because of the pace that people are set at and the way they've been like robotically algorithmically set to just keep doing these motions at this fast paced in as efficient a way as possible, which means they they're not, they're standing in one place doing this rather than going back and forth in a warehouse, getting stuff off a top shelf. Maybe you're climbing a ladder, like an old traditional warehouse that isn't like robotically and algorithmically controlled. Okay. So now they're going to correct for this. They're going to do this. And you know what? It's, this sounds to me like it's going to work. It's very simple. You just have, you train employees to do multiple types of tasks and the algorithm tells them, okay, now turn around. You're going to work on the conveyor belt behind you and it's uh, doing a slightly different motion or something. If they, imp- imp- if they I- implement this, they who knows? They could actually literally cut their uh, workplace injuries in half. Yeah. And Without that reducing is, the pace of the work. Yeah, exactly. Clear thing, yeah. yeah. And yet... And they'll be able to say, look what we did. And you know what? They'll be right. It will be good. And that is that is like the reality you have to confront that they they have all the power in their hands. And if you stand around asking Amazon and the the sort of uh, the power of capital to alleviate these specific sufferings, ultimately, they can and may just do that. And that's that's not good enough is what I'm saying. Like they can they can do this anytime they can make they can find ways using technology to improve these tiny ways that you're complaining about these tiny ways that journalists are writing about that are leaking documents saying, look at all the workplace repetitive stress injuries. Ultimately, these these little instances they can solve them and they may just do that and take your ammunition away. They may just let you win the fight because it's no skin off their nose, which is why, you know, you got to think about this in terms of power, which is why you just have to take it from them, not like petition them to make uh, life easier for their workers on their own terms. Well, you heard it here first. Greg signed on to Jeff's algorithm. <laughs> uh, I mean, you know, having worked in manufacturing, they, you know, when they implement safety measures, the thing that always kills it is they implement safety measures. They think that they won't lose any time in production. They ultimately always do, which then leads to increased pressure on the employees to make that time up, which means that they just skip the safety measures, right? They just skip past them. Um, But I do think one of the things that we're looking at is we're really just looking at 21st century Taylorism, right? I mean, this is the obsession of capital is every lost motion, right, is an obsession to capital, right? So going back to, you know, the planting class that used to sit there and watch the slaves in the field and would try and, you know, figure out every lost motion, like, oh, they stooped down to pick up the cotton, but then they got back up again when they went to the next plant, right? Well, don't get back up, stay stooped, right? Uh, And the tailorism, when they would sit there and they would scientifically measure every motion that every worker did, right? It'd be like, no, don't do it like this. Do it like this because your hand's going a little too far. That's a lost half second of production, right? And they would try and, you know, sort of make this mold. I mean, all the way down to, I mean, the, you know, in the camps, the Nazis used to do this shit too, where they would try and scientifically figure out what the exact minimum calorie count was required to like get somebody through a work day and all this kind of stuff. It is this obsession with capitalism of turning people into the machine, right? Yeah. 
And I think this is just the next level of it. And there is a somewhat futuristic view of this where uh, maybe this, you know, leads to less injuries or something like that. But these these techniques always have a way of scooting towards the dystopia. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know? exactly. uh, because the, the end goal for Jeff Bezos is always just more money, more exploitation. The more power you give capital, the more capital will resent the little bit of control you they don't have over you. Yeah. And that's how it is on the shop floor, you know? They're yeah. literally watching you going, ha, huh, you're you're taking I mean, you can see it. You can see, you know, yeah, the the overseer watching uh an enslaved person stand up from stooping to pick cotton and thinking like they're they're really milking that. They're yeah. really milking that time. They're using that as a little break, the time it takes to get up and shift over to the next plant. And that is what every fucking manager of every enterprise is thinking, watching everything you do. And Amazon, one of the, the keys to their success has been uh, confronting that on every level with technology. And this is just uh, the same thing. This is now, you know, them using that same technology to mitigate some of the harms. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, that was the Taylorism with the stopwatches and going like there was two seconds that that worker just stole from the company, right? And it's kind of funny. I mean, you know, even in office jobs, I believe you, I mean, you guys, some of you guys could maybe testify to this, but do you guys get the HR presentations about time theft and all that shit, right? Like, did you use the bathroom not on your break? That's really stealing from the company, right? And it is this obsession. Yeah, exactly. It's this obsession with total control, right? I mean, we talked about this on the show before too, when tech workers were working from home and all these companies jumped up to be like, well, we'll make we'll design monitoring software for your boss so that they, like your camera periodically turns on <laughs> so that the boss can see like what you're doing in the house <laughs> to make sure that you're dutifully, you know, typing away at some bullshit that doesn't fucking matter anyways, you know. But it's this obsession with control, right? You know, and I think uh, Amazon's just taking it to that next level. You know, like this is the future. Well, according to one Aaron Sorkin, this was far and away <laughs> the best shareholder letter I've ever read. <laughs> oh, well, shit. Read it till the very end. Yeah. There are some <laughs> real and profound lessons in there. <laughs> he just got thrown off by the fact that Jeff walked through this like endless hallway the entire time while reading the letter <laughs> out. And Sorg was like, oh, I like the rhythm. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that, that tweet Munya linked was Andrew Ross Sorkin. And I'm just going to call him Aaron Sorkin. (laughs) (laughs) Hell yeah. Dollar store Aaron Sorkin. It's what he deserves. (laughs) But yeah, I don't know if there's like much more we have to go into this vice article. I think we've kind of like plumbed the depths of it. But this is basically, I, I, I think that, you know, this literally is our future. There, there's some people who believe that we're going to reach this techno utopia where people don't have to work anymore or some bullshit like that. And it's like, no, 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 no. It's just going to get more degrading. That's a question of power. <laughs> and more embarrassing. Yeah. That right. could be now. Right. That of could course. be right now. Oh, come on. You don't believe in the, the hedonistic imperative, Brian? I'm actually here. Because <laughs> yeah, yeah, I believe you, in the evolution of all is, suffering on this planet using technology. Yeah, so. I mean, I, Justin, I think that this is the sixth 
podcast in the in the mechanical freak portfolio is uh is a hedonistic <laughs> yeah, yeah. Our, our podcasts are splitting and forming rival podcasts it's like caucuses right yeah, now. yeah splitting exactly. and forming endless web yeah we, we need to hear about the hedonistic imperative you you you've um you've been putting everyone on subtitle i'm actually to your left I'm actually to the left of AOC is like the subtitle of it. (laughs) Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Well, cool. I look forward to our techno prison. Um, You know, I don't know about you guys. I like like that I'll be able to switch from the hamster wheel to the uh, (laughs) treadmill to the uh, pull-up bar. I don't know. (laughs) You know? I I don't like that I won't be able to decide when I do that, that it'll tell me. It's just like third grade, like, station rotation, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. After, like, every, like, Nirvana song and, like, hot, (laughs) like, Billboard Hot 100 song ends, it's like, all right, rotate. Now you're doing, you know, (laughs) the jump rope. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, it's basically it's gonna be like having uh, like some guy volunteer to be your personal trainer at the gym or whatever, <laughs> where he's just gonna be like, "Oh, but your quads are looking a little weak. Time to, time to get off bench. Time to get out and work those legs." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. D- stop skipping leg day, bro. <laughs> <laughs> just that for all time. Yeah. <laughs> well. That's all cool. All right. Well, yeah, that, that rocked. Um, so I think that's, that's it, but we have some patrons to thank unless y'all have more to say on that. Uh, join our Patreon, like these cool patrons and listen to the first episode of historical mechanicalism about LBJ. We're going to go over LBJ's entire life. And let me tell you, as cool as Harry Truman was and as great a president as he was, <laughs> as I wrote my uh, sixth grade you know, history class or whatever. Uh, number one president, uh, LBJ. I think you might have it on. <laughs> so <laughs> check it out. Yes, please do. So thank you, Maria Arievich, Limp Burgess, and Sydney Ross. <laughs> Let's go. Well, Limp, Limp Burgess. Limp Burgess. Well, Limp Burgess baby. That's a real person's name. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. cool. <laughs> I love when real people subscribe to our podcast. That's Feels the best good. kind of Patreon <laughs> subscribers. Just love talking to everyday working Seattleites. <laughs> <laughs> You know who wasn't limp was Jumbo. (laughs) That is true. And oh man, will we get into the stories. (laughs) Awesome. Well, uh, I promise Cassidy will be back next week. Mm -hmm. The the Dudes Rock Caucus will be broken up by Cassidy. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Bye, everybody. Bye. 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 Bye.